Welcome in, everybody, to another edition of Taking the Fields, a 24-7 sports podcast. I'm your host, John Fields, and joining me today, as always, is Matthew Burney. How are you doing today, Matthew? Um, I'm fantastic. Uh, great day on this Sunday morning. It is March. It is tournament time. I could not be feeling better, honestly. <laughs> and I'll, I'll be honest, I don't know why I just called you Matthew. That might be the first time I've done that, but we're, we're here. <laughs> It's all um, but yeah, I mean, as you said, it's March, exciting basketball. I mean, just got to watch Duke, North Carolina the net, uh, last night. I know you were talking about that one too. Coach K, uh, last game at home, they're going out on a bit of a low note. And then the fact that he has to do his whole speech and the whole ceremony after the game. I mean, you could tell that was the last place he wanted to be. Just really crazy stuff there. But um, obviously, we're here to talk about UNT basketball. So I guess we can get into that a little more, which is a uh, you know, UNT uh, finishes out the regular season, obviously already had the one seed locked up in the CUSA West, but, you know, they get a, a close win over UTSA, close loss to UTEP that maybe wasn't as close as the final score was, but we'll get into that a little later. Um, but, yeah, I mean, UNT's, I guess my first point probably is UNT's at-large hopes are probably gone at this point with that loss to UTEP. Uh, you know, even if they were probably slim before, definitely not getting in at large at this point, you'd think just depending on how the bubble shakes out. But I mean, yeah, I guess I'll throw it to you for any overall stuff you've got here. Yeah. So we'll, we'll talk about these two games in a little bit of depth, but obviously they didn't really matter to a degree. Like we knew once they beat UTSA, there was like just win one of the two and you win the you know i think you outright win the conference no there was they they had outright won it yeah anyway. they already had that clinch yeah. as well so there was no there was no real significance in these two games but you mentioned last podcast you know you wanted to see them close it out a bit stronger than they had in years past and they didn't really do that um and i think one thing we kind of saw was some fatigue um because this entire year the greatest thing that I could say about this coaching staff and this team was that they were just relentless. They were relentless. It was every single game. It was, they were going to play this style. They were going to wear you down and they were going to make plays late to win the game. And I mean, cause you think about it, how many times did they have, they, how many times in the conference play did they go down double digits? I mean, it's been a lot because you think of like the La Tech game where they come back from down La 17. Tech, UAB, UAB. But other than that, other than those two, I, I, I mean, am I missing some? Like, how many games did they go down double digits? I'd say it's not that many, right? Not, not, not a ton. I mean, and some of that comes That's with true. the style they play, right? Just the yeah. defensive style. You're going to be close for a lot of games. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. So they go into these games and they just, wear teams down and they come out pretty much ready to play and they have to to a degree right because they're not the most talented team you you could argue they're not the most talented team in the conference and so every game they have to come out with a certain edge with a certain passion a certain fight and if they don't it looks like what they put up against utsa and utip and i think there have maybe been games against like southern miss the first time they played where you're like okay they're not really trying but it didn't matter this is the first time it's caught up to them and i'm not worried about it like for conference per or for tournament purposes but i feel like this was like the culmination of 
three months of just constant pressure and constant perfection finally just wearing them down to a degree and in, in a game that doesn't matter right if the game mattered i i don't think this would have happened but you go to utep after barely being uts not barely but beating utsa unconvincingly and utep's been playing very well and they come out and utep goes up 13 to 2 and it's like okay they weren't quite as sharp as they need to be because they need to be sharp every single night to have a chance and this was this felt like the fatigue of like we've been perfect for so long i just want this this night off like i just want i just want one night off here and i'm not saying that they took the night off but you get you you get what i'm saying in terms of the 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 just how you feel after being playing well for so long and winning so many games in a row it's like there is a little bit to be said about losing a game before going into the tournament. Like you see it all the time. So um, I'm, I, I don't think it's definitely not the end of the world. And I, it's definitely a situation that is kind of predictable. I was not, I, I thought UTEP was going to give them trouble regardless. And, you know, for them to kind of come out slow, it, it definitely is tough for this team to, to come back in, in some games. No, I agree. And I think I've probably got one more overall thing to hit on before we really dive into both of these games a little bit. But to me, uh, well, you know what? I tell you what, it's more so related to one of the individual games. So we can go ahead and get into it. I guess we'll start with the UTSA game, get through that briefly. But um, UNT comes out, you know, wins that one 59-48. I think you pretty well summed it up with the fact that it didn't feel like either team really wanted to be playing that game all that much, to be honest yeah. with you. Like the energy just wasn't quite where you'd expect a North Texas, you know, game to be typically and not the standard they've been at. And I mean, to your credit, you've said it before, like UTSA is kind of a team where UNT could kind of, especially when UTSA is not playing with much to play for. That's a team where UNT can kind of roll out of bed and just go, you know, play mediocre basketball and get the win because UTSA just doesn't have a lot, especially with Jordan Ivy Curry, you know, in the portal now, just not a lot there really. So, I mean, you could see, I guess, some of the warning signs for what was to come in the UTEP game maybe, but like, again, it's two teams with like not a lot to play for there. So you feel like probably don't read much into it. Um, I mean, UNT has an 11 point lead at the half and pretty much just held on from there. UTEP, I mean, UTSA, sorry you know, would make a little bit of a push here and there, but for the most part, nothing really. And, uh, you know, the free throw shooting was bad, but it didn't really matter because UNT goes 12 of 26 at the line. Thomas Bell goes five for 11. And then everybody else who shot a free throw missed at least one. Um, foul trouble for Abu wasn't great, but overall, like not many of the individual stats really mattered all that much. None of them were very impressive, but it didn't matter because UNT just sort of found a way to win when they weren't really playing a very good game. Yeah, that I watched the like the second half of the UTSA game. Um which is when like I don't know, they they were they weren't playing awful. It's just like Jacob Germany was giving them fits uh which you know, you usually don't see, but it's a lot largely because when Abu went out, they had Thomas and Aaron Scott in the front court or even just Thomas in the front court. And I think this weekend was a really, really good example of what we've said the past couple weeks is Abu's resurgence is a huge, huge, huge factor with this team's success. Like, let's not get it confused. Like, 
they need him to be very good to win this tournament. They can't have him out here playing 20 minutes, going two of five or um, for like five points and five rebounds. They need him to put up points. They need him to impact the game. And I think we saw this weekend, plays 13 minutes, plays 15 minutes, and this team looked very different, very, very different. They do not have a backup center. And while Thomas at the five is is acceptable in certain positions, you can't get away with it against good teams for that long. Like because then you have Aaron Scott and at the four. And while I again I like Aaron Scott, you know, there are limitations to what he can do and what he's capable of right now. So yeah. Yeah, that's that's probably my biggest takeaway is Abu cannot play like this in the tournament. He can't play like this the rest of the season or else they will lose. So that that's my takeaway. No, I, I tend to agree with that. And it's funny because I, I went back and I was scrolling through YouTube this morning and I saw the highlights from North Texas win over Purdue and the NCAA tournament. So I was like, all right, I'll click on this. You know, it's been a while since I watched last season's team. And that's really the thing that you notice the most is like just the presence Zach Simmons was on the interior for that team. Like even just in the highlights, you would see him post up and he just looks very under control doing it. He doesn't look out of control throwing a shoulder into somebody or anything. Even like you can tell he's a strong dude because he's holding his own and slowly moving his way inside. But it's not like he had to throw himself into the guy to get inside the way it feels like a boo can be at times. Just, just Zach always felt very under control in that way. And um, I mean, they need performances like that from a boo, I think. Uh to consistently be able to win, as you said, because that's just like, and I'll tell you what another thing is that they really need for him is they kind of need his scoring a lot on the offensive side, because really like you'll get some stuff from Tyler Perry. You'll get some stuff from Thomas Bell, even with the free throw misses, but like, I mean, you'll get a couple threes from Drez here and there. You'll get some stuff from Ruben occasionally, but like a booze, that guy who, if you need to go get a basket down low, Sometimes you're able to go to him and get that, and it really makes things easier for UNT's offense. And then when he's not going, I mean, you don't really have somebody you can go to down low outside of Thomas, and that just makes it difficult because then teams can double Thomas. They can get it out of his hands down low, and then you're just sort of around the perimeter jacking up threes, which seemed like was kind of the issue for UNT in the first half of that UTEP game where, I mean, Mm -hmm. they hit all of their five threes after halftime. They go five of 12 after the half, but like, Oh, of six from deep in that half seemed like they were settling for some poor shots at times because they couldn't get anything going down low. And I just feel like having some more offense from a boo in times like that really could have changed the complexion of that game. This is this is and goes back to my point about having to play perfect for so long. This is definitely a team that needs all hands on deck. You know, they they can't have a bad a boo game, at least again in the tournament when I'm when I'm projecting for how this team can do in the postseason, they can't have an Abu, a bad game from Abu. They can't have a bad game from Tyler, most likely. Um, you can't have a bad Thomas game, most likely. Like you need these guys to at least be good. And yeah. when when one of them is not good, then it starts to show. Like Drez is a similar thing. Like you want Drez to score double digits. Like it's a team that probably needs those four to be in double digits every single game of the postseason. I just feel that way. And if that's not the case, it's going to it's gonna fall back on their defense. And their defense is excellent. It's amazing. It's top 20 in the country. 
but it just adds a lot more pressure onto that. And you're, that's when you'll see, see games that are 45 to 46 as a final score. And yeah. if, and if they can win those games, then yeah, but you're leaving a lot more up to chance and a lot more up to luck in the tournament. If y'all, if, if they can't figure out, you know, how to keep Abu on the court and how to get Drez going and how to um, get Tyler going a little bit earlier. So th- those are just some keys that I'm looking for when, when we look ahead. Well, and you mentioned like losing that margin for error. And then in close games like that, that's where their free throw shooting really comes back to bite them, right? Because then you're leaving points on the stripe that really make a difference in close games like that. And I'm not going to say that UNT needs to shoot free throws better because that's just been the handicap all season. Like they might shoot 60, 65% in games, and that would be better than the like 50-ish percent they've been the last couple, but they're not going to be a good free throw shooting team all of a sudden. Like they might hit them in a game that they like we saw them hit some in the La Tech game, but those are kind of outlier games for them at this point. To me, it's just going to be about how they can control everything else and how they can overcome everything else. And that kind of is a nice segue to the UTEP game, I feel like, because obviously they lose that one 70 to 68. I mentioned earlier final score wasn't I mean, it was close, but the game wasn't really that close. They were down nine with like a minute 16 to play, ended up getting some garbage time type buckets that made it a little closer. Drez hits a three at the end after just this weird UTEP turnover um, that makes it a two-point game rather than five. But um, my main point on that UTEP game is like missing so many free throws the way they did hurt. And I'll pull up the number here real quick, but uh, they go 17 of 32 at the foul line. Thomas Bell goes six of 16. And then a bunch of other people had a few shots, like Perry went five of six, J.J. Murray goes three of four, Ruben two of four, Aaron Scott one of two. Um, but, like, the, the free throws definitely hurt, but that's not, to me, what lost UNT this game. To me, what did it was they get in that big hole early, as we said. They don't come out with enough energy at the start. Even McCaslin said that in his postgame radio. You know, they're down 35-21 at the half. And then, I mean, they find a way to go score, what was it, 47 points in the second half for an offense that I don't know how many times they've done that all season. So they found a way to score enough points. The problem was to me, they couldn't get stops in some of the key moments. And then they didn't take advantage of some of the opportunities they had when they had them fouled Sule boom too much, which I mean, he just knocked down every free throw he had. And to UTEP's credit, I mean, they go out and hit 21 of their 25 free throws. Like they made it make a difference. Even as UNT shoots seven more UTEP finds a way to get more points there. Um, and one of the, one of the moments that stuck out to me before I swing it your way for this, but, uh, they had a chance they had a fast break. They were down six points with like four minutes left and UNT has got a fast break. Uh, Drez and Ruben are on and kind of a two on one, got a chance to hit a layup to make it a four point game. And, uh, I mean, they just sort of never figure out exactly what they're going to do. And Ruben ends up throwing a bounce pass that goes out of bounds. And then on the other end, boom hits a jumper and that makes it an eight point game versus a four point game, just a big swing in the game. They're really a four point swing. And to me, that was one of the key moments where UNC has got a chance to really cut that deficit down and just couldn't quite. And it seemed like for the rest of the game, they just couldn't quite ever get the deficit down enough for it to make sense or for them to sort of be in it. And then, I mean, down the stretch, obviously they do, but, that's at that point the game was already decided. No, they they didn't not they did not deserve to win this game in no. any way or shape or form. So I mean they kept coming back. I was like maybe they can do it, maybe they can do it, and like you said, they just couldn't make that one shot or finish that one play to to do it. So, um, 
Yeah, it's not like you said, the two point margin is definitely closer than what the final score was. Again, the game doesn't matter in the in the macro and, and you look at a big picture. The, the the pro we know what this team is at this point. We know some of the struggles they might have, um, which I think we've just touched on, you know, the past like five, ten minutes. So this game was kind of just another example of that. Like if they don't play well, they're going to be successful successful to susceptible, I can't speak, uh, to losses like this in, in the tournament. But and that's what made this year so special, really. I mean, I'm just moving off this game a little bit. Uh, that's what made this year so special is they, they, nobody expected them to be this good. Yeah. And even us, like, we didn't expect them to go 16-2 and two in conference. Like, because you look at this team, it's like, this isn't a perfect, like, this isn't a significant step up from last year, right? Or this, if you looked at last year's compared to this year's roster, you'd say last year's was better. Oh, yeah. But this year's team, the discipline they've played with, the like like I said, how perfect they've played this entire conference season has made it special. And this was these were two games where they weren't perfect and they're they can lose games. And so that's where our evaluation of them wasn't wrong. They're not more talented than they were last year. They're just sharper than they were last year. And when they're not that sharp, then it can show at times. But I don't want to put too much stock into these two games going forward. No, I, and I think that's fair. I guess the one other point I have, too, that maybe points to some of that sharpness is like foul trouble really hurt him again in this game. And I mean, we mentioned Abu in the first one, but here's another game. Abu ends up with four fouls, you know, scores two points, one of five shooting. Like that's a key difference in this game. He only plays 15 minutes, as you mentioned earlier. Aaron Scott fouls out five fouls in 12 minutes played, you know, gets the one point at the foul line. And then, I mean, even Tyler Perry ends up with four fouls. Thomas Bell fouls out. Like, I don't know the last time Tyler Perry had that many fouls this year at all. Like, he might have once or twice early in non-conference. But, like, that to me was kind of the crazy part. And here's what I will say. I was definitely a little confused by the officiating, like, both ways in general. So Some of the foul calls, I was like, are, are those really fouls? Like sometimes they were calling like the little hand checking. Sometimes they weren't. It, it felt like a very inconsistent officiating night, which did take some of the flow out of the game. I don't think that should be any kind of an excuse for UNT losing this at all. I just thought that was something I kind of observed. Um, and I mean, like JJ Murray comes out and plays a pretty good game, like eight points, two of two shooting, knocks down three of his four free throws. Like JJ Murray was good enough to try and win this game. I mean, Thomas Bell was a monster on the offensive glass with seven offensive rebounds. Like, they, they did a lot of the things they would have needed to do to win this game. They just, as we said, couldn't quite make that one last play. And again, it might not mean a lot in the grand scheme of things, but it, it's still one of those where, you know, maybe maybe this is going to be a real motivation for UNT. Like, dang, you know, we went out and lost this last game, you know just to give them a little extra edge heading into the tournament, a reminder of like, Hey, this is what happens when you don't come out and play, you know, the way they're capable of. So, yep. I mean, I could see it being a positive going forward a little bit as, you know, weird as that kind of is to say. Oh, 100%. I mean, that's what, I don't know. That's, that's kind of what all, that's always what fans kind of say in a sense, you know, when everything's going on, I think even the team will say it to a degree. It's like, Oh, this will lock us right. Get us right mentally and all that stuff. And yeah, it definitely can. Um, it and like, there's no, there's no question that there's definitely uh, an upside to it. At the same time, you know, we watched. I think it was 
Murray State run through the Ohio Valley Conference. They didn't lose anytime soon. Like, you know, yeah, well, and they went and won the conference tournament, I think, too, because I think they got like the first guaranteed bid out of anybody. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. So they, they, they didn't need to lead. I don't think they need a loss to spark them. They're just rolling through teams. Um, this team, like I said, the focus is important and uh, that that perhaps was reset a bit with that loss. Yeah. Well, and I will say just from talking with the team, before, even before these games, like the attitude around the team, especially from at, talking to McCasland, like, I mean, he was asked about like at large and if they were thinking about that and all. And the attitude's always been that these guys needed to win the conference tournament. And mm-hmm. so the way McCasland put it was like, you know, we put ourselves in the best position still, uh, you know, to go out and win the conference tournament. They get that one seed, so they're not having to go win four games in four days like they did last year. So now they just got to go and take care of business because that's kind of the reality of Conference USA. Like, it, it would have taken something really ridiculous for this league to get two bids. So, I mean, in reality, they were always going to have to win the conference tournament, and they're in about as good a place as they could be uh, to go do that. Yeah. Um, I'm ready to talk tournament if you are. Oh yeah, let's do it, man. Hop into this Conference USA tournament, get some predictions going. How how, how do you want to do this? So, I mean, we usually let's just go around. Let's just go round by round. Um, kind of take it take it through our picks and whatnot. Uh, obviously, uh, Colin and I did this the past couple of years, uh, even when it was canceled. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, we we'll, we'll have full rundowns of our thoughts i'm obviously not as connected in conference tuesday as i was in years past so i'm not gonna i'll say that right now but i've still watched obviously all north the north texas games against these teams and been keeping up with them semi-frequently um as far as results go so i do feel confident enough to pick them but um yeah i'm i'm ready i'm ready to yeah, do it i tell you what i do have one takeaway because i before we get into that because i saw uh i don't remember who it was on twitter i think it was tony de said like the the path that North Texas has is a lot harder than UAB. It was commenting under a graph where um, UAB is like 42% chance to win the tournament according to team rankings. And I, I kind of want to push back on that a little bit because I don't know that UAB's path is actually that much easier. I, like, I, I completely agree with you. I completely yeah. agree with you. Go ahead. Because like, so North Texas gets the winner of Charlotte Rice. Neither of those teams, like they could be a little scary and go off and have an offensive night, but that, those teams aren't that scary. Western Kentucky certainly isn't scary with the stretch that they've had all the inconsistencies this year. They've won nine out of 10, but like all the teams they beat were mediocre teams. They beat FAU was kind of their best win there. And then they lost to middle Tennessee by like 17 in a game that I think did matter at the time. Still Western doesn't scare me all that much. I mean, they've got some scary pieces, but then like Louisiana tech, even on North Texas side, North Texas has beat them twice this year. There's no reason to think they wouldn't be able to do it a third time, not to say that's not a tough matchup, but then you look at the other side, like middle Tennessee is a scary matchup for UAB. I feel like that's going to be a tough game. UTEP, I mean, could come out of that side too. And we've seen what they did to North Texas, even though it was on a bad night, UTEP's playing good ball and they could be a challenge for UAB. I don't, I'm not really high on FAU, but I think more so to me, it's just the side North Texas is on, isn't as good as some people are saying, I feel like. None of these um, paths are easy, but I, I don't think it's significantly harder than UABs at all. I'm actually pretty high on FAU. Okay. And I think that's the difference to me in, in these two is North Texas will play the winner of Charlotte Rice in the quarters. And that is, uh, 
you know, it's it's March. Anything could happen. Those two teams are, are awful. Like they they do not match up well against North Texas. Like North Texas is just gonna destroy them in the quarters. To to spoil my bracket a bit, but um, the the tough thing here for UAB is in their quarterfinals they have to play FAU, and I think in my opinion FAU is really solid, really really solid. Like UAB is gonna have to play well to win that game in the tournament. FAU. Um, for a lot of the season, I thought FAU was going to win the East, and like they, in my opinion, if you ask me between the East, I might say that they are like my favorite team in the East. They are just really, really interesting. Dangerous. And so UAB has to play them in the quarters, and then they'll have to play, let's say, Middle UTEP, whoever, in the semis, which will also be tough, and then finals. So I'm not saying they're they're semifinals and final, like the final they'll play, like if UAB and North Texas play, then that cancels each other out. But I'm just saying, like, they have an extra game to me, whereas North Texas is going to walk past Rice or walk past Charlotte. UAB is going to have to fight against FAU, and that's the difference, in in my opinion. That's something I didn't take into account when I looked at this early in the season. I was like, oh, North Texas should get the second seed. Yeah, but the, the, the quarterfinal matchup is significant. So you only have to win two games, really, instead of three. Like, I know that doesn't really make sense. You still have to beat Rice and Charlotte, but – They'll beat Rice or Charlotte, and then you just have to win two games. UAB has to win three. Well, see, and, and I'll tell you why I'm not as high on FAU, I guess. And maybe this is too much recency bias, but, like, FAU goes and loses by 19 to Old Dominion a couple weeks ago. They barely squeak out a win over Charlotte. And then, I mean, they beat FIU by 20 and then beat FIU by, like, eight. Like, those games don't really matter all that much. But to me, I just don't know that FAU is playing good basketball right now. I don't know that they're at where they were when they were sort of running through and leading the East early on. So I'm not very confident in their current form, I guess, which is why I'm a little more skeptical on them. But, I mean, like you said, they're certainly a dangerous team come tournament time. And, you know, I think you can definitely make the argument more dangerous than a Charlotte or a Rice. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You know, I reference Ken Palm a lot. They're the fourth-ranked offense and fifth-ranked defense in the conference, uh, just in conference play. 125 team in the country. Um, I'm I'm interested. That is a matchup. That's a potential matchup. I'm I'm looking forward to see if how FAU UAB plays out. Um, did I just spoil my bracket at all? I think I maybe did a little. little <laughs> Damn, UTSA and Southern Miss are gonna be pissed. But all right, let's let's start it. Let's get underway. First round. I'll let you set it all up, and we go. All right. Well, I guess I'll start it out with my first upset pick then because I got UTSA beating Southern Miss. Well, I guess it's not an upset because technically UTSA is what the sixth seed and Southern's the seven. But like, yeah, I got UTSA beating Southern Miss. Southern Miss hasn't had Jaron Pierre or Tyler Stevenson like the last two weeks. I don't know if they'll have them back, but if they don't have those guys, they're not winning a game. So I'm taking UTSA over Southern Miss. And then I've got FIU over Marshall. I looked back regular season meetings. FIU won both regular season games. They were both kind of close. But to me, I think FIU is just the better team this year. Marshall's got tournament-type players, but I think FIU probably wins that one. I'm also picking UTSA over Southern Miss uh, for the reasons that you laid out. Also, UTSA has been kind of at least a little bit more uh, – I mean, Southern Miss has played some teams tough, so I don't want to completely – diminish them but utsa has at least been fighting a bit more um the marshall game is a little tough because marshall's just awful but so i should probably pick i mean it's just amazing how tavian kinsey 
they can't do anything with him. And Andrew <laughs> Taylor is a good player. Like, yeah. So yeah, no, I, I'm gonna I'm just gonna stick with FIU. I'm gonna stick with FIU. I'll, I'll copy you here. UTSA, FIU are my two picks here. So, all right. Well, we got consensus so far. I'm sure that'll change here pretty soon. But uh, yeah, I guess we get into the next round then. So uh, I, I've got Charlotte beating Rice. I think Charlotte's just probably a better team to me. I just all the inconsistencies we've seen with Rice. Like we've seen the peak for them where it's like beating UAB early in the season, but then. I mean, they're just a really maddeningly inconsistent team. And I like to pick good players that have a solid cast around them in tournaments. Charlotte, to me, with Jameer Young is that kind of a team where Jameer Young goes off for 30 and the rest of the team, you know, helps out some. And I think they probably can coast past Rice uh, to some extent. It depends how much that Rice backcourt really gets going, but I'm not going to put any trust in that backcourt at this point. So I got Charlotte winning that one. Um, Then I've got... LaTeX beating um, FIU, obviously. I mean, that shouldn't be much of a game at all, really. Maybe it is if LaTeX comes out not great, but yeah. LaTeX should win that one. Um, and then I've got a uh, got UTEP over Old Dominion. Uh, I don't think that should be terribly controversial, especially to North Texas fans who just saw UTEP beat North Texas. I think Old Dominion's a decent team, but to me. UTEP should win that one, especially with the way their backcourt is. The one regular season game they played was close, OT game that UTEP pulled out, but I'm not going to pick against that UTEP backcourt really with Boom, the enemy. I think they'll find a way to get it done against Old Dominion. And then um, here, here's my, here is maybe my controversial one because I'm really not high on FAU at all. I think UTSA finds a way to get it done and beats <laughs> FAU. I think UTSA goes on a run here, man. Oh, my God. If if UTSA beats FAU, I don't know what I'll do. I don't know what I'll do. I don't know what I'll do. And that I know is, that's not likely at all, but I decided I needed some upsets here, and I think that's one where I can pick it because, I yeah, I'm not high on FAU at all. That is amazing. UTSA in the quarterfinals. <laughs> Even without After, Jordan Ivy Curry. Yeah, UTSA I was say, might losing, be better without Ivy Curry. Hot take. Losing Jordan Ivy Curry and making the, the quarterfinals is amazing. Um, I'll <laughs> run through mine quick. Uh, I think the Charlotte Rice game is tough because I completely agree with you. I, Charlotte, I think, should be favored to win this game. I'm going to take Rice, though, just That's ho- fair. hoping that their offense scores 80 points. Um, and then I'm going to take Louisiana Tech over FIU. I'll take UTEP over Old Dominion. And I'm going to take FAU over UTSA. <laughs> shockingly. Uh, yeah, sure. very shockingly. All right. Quarters. Yeah, I guess. So is UTSA FAU the only one we've differed on so far? Or no, you took Rice. Well. Barlet, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, then we get to the quarters. I, I mean, I still think North Texas beats either Charlotte or Rice. I think we both agree on that one. Uh, I've got La Tech beating Western. I'm not very high on Western as I've highlighted earlier. They beat a bunch of teams, but like none of them are that good recently. So I think La Tech beats Western. Uh, I've got UTEP beating Middle Tennessee because I, I don't know. Middle Tennessee is good, but I just think UTEP that's has a really the right pieces to really get that done. And to me, that's kind of the, the upset that you can look at. And maybe it's not as much of an upset as it's going to look like with a one going against a four. So yeah, I got UTEP beating Middle. And then I got UAB beating UTSA. Like I can't, I can't be that insane to pick UTSA over UAB too. I'll pick them over FAU, but UAB is going to clean the porch off with UTSA, and I mean it's not going to be a contest. So those two. Um, so yeah, I'm picking North Texas over Rice. 
I mean, they've held them a 40 point, 42 points each time, 44, whatever. Yeah. Um, Western La Tech, I, th- I actually think it's going to be a more interesting game because I think Western, in some respects, can give Louisiana Tech some problems. It does, Western is a largely dependent on their shooting as well, like with McKnight, Frampton, and whatnot. Um, but the first time they played, it was 73 74. It was an awesome game. I think they could replicate that in the tournament. I'm going to pick Louisiana Tech, though. I'm going to take Louisiana Tech over Western. Uh, and then I think I'm definitely taking Middle Tennessee over UTEP. I think this is a great game, though. I think. Oh, yeah, that might be like, one of the best games of the tournament. Yeah, this is going to – this is on paper. This is one of my favorite games right here, Middle Tennessee and UTEP, just because I think both are capable of, like you said, getting hot, winning this game. Uh, UTEP's been – under Joe Golding, I mean, they finished with 11 wins in conference, right? Yeah. 11 and 7? I think like so. That, Let's see. That's really impressive. Yeah, 11 and 7. That's really impressive. So, yeah, they're dangerous. I wouldn't be surprised if UTEP was even favored in this game. Like, that's a really good game. Uh, yeah. But I'm going to take middle. And then I'm taking FAU over U- UAB. We're just going to completely defer. UAB, FAU is either going to the semis or losing on Wednesday. <laughs> There's no in between here. I'm taking FAU, FAU over you. And I know this is probably more outlandish than than almost almost anything here utsa over fau is giving it a run for its money but <laughs> i just fau is a really really solid team they've been really solid this entire year and i know they've lost um recently but like i think you can even go back to the non-conference schedule for fau and you're like this is this is a team that's i think capable because of their three-point shooting and just because of their offense I mean, I I don't know. I I think that UAB is susceptible. I think we've seen that in games pat in in prior games. Oh, definitely. I've always thought UAB. I didn't want to say they were overrated, but I mean, I didn't think they were as good as you know their Ned and their Ken Palm and stuff early in the season. And you know, lost to Old Dominion, a lost to Marshall, a lost to Rice. Like we know, this team can lose games, and I think this is this is the one they lose. So I, I I'm gonna take I'm taking FAU. Yeah, no, I think I think that's a pretty reasonable pick. Um, I mean, yeah, and I agree with you that I think FAU's ceiling is really high. I just don't love how low their floor is to me because I think their floor is pretty low, and uh, maybe it's not UTSA low, but it's pretty low. <laughs> they lose to UTSA. Yeah, that would be something. I will praise I will praise you for for a week. That'll be the <laughs> pick of the year. All right, to the semis. All right, to the semis. Um, so then I guess I've got North Texas obviously taking on La Tech. Uh, it, it's going to be a good game the way it always is. Um, but, I mean, to me, I don't know how I can pick against North Texas. They've beaten La Tech twice already in the regular season. I mean, the only way I could really pick that is if I'm just like North Texas luck against La Tech finally runs out. But, I think the point we've made all season about Isaiah Crawford not being there, I think that's a huge miss for Tech in a tournament like this because that's a guy who, I mean, we saw him last year against Thomas Bell or and against really anybody he faced. He could just take somebody to the rim, take them one-on-one, and go get a bucket. And that's huge in tournaments. So to not have him is big for them. I think, again, as you said, a lot's going to come down to how well Abu's playing and how well he can play Lofton in that one, assuming they match up. But I mean, assuming La Tech gets there and UNT gets there, but it, I mean, I don't think I can pick against North Texas in that one at this point uh, with just given the history, how they match up and all that. I'm taking North Texas 
to the final. And then I am taking UAB over UTEP. I mean, I, I like UTEP a lot, and I think they could beat UAB. I just think UAB, like with all the talent they have, I think they find a way to to get all the way to the finals. And, you know, them in North Texas face off there for me. So what do you got? So my semifinal is the same same as you on the top, um, North Texas and La Tech. I mean, that's just – I tweeted out that's a great basketball rivalry. I think it's going to be another great game. I mean – we're going to be able to look back on this whenever Conference USA dissipates and, you know, goes – or not dissipates, but you know what I mean, changes. There's realignment. Yeah. We'll look back on that be like, man, remember those North Texas, Louisiana Tech games? Like, that's like – we're going to be the old heads at that point. Where we're like 30 <laughs> years old be like, man, remember when North Texas and La Tech had – and Javion hit the floater at the buzzer to beat them and Tyler Perry hit the win. And then um, in Denton, Louisiana Tech beat – beat North Texas with uh, Isaiah Crawford scoring over Thomas. Like there were, there's just so many stories here. This is going to be another great game. I, I just don't think either team can blow each other out. It's going to come down to like, it always has is just kind of who makes the last play between these two. And I, I'm going to say North Texas pulls it out. Um, it is an 1130 tip, which is annoying 1130 in the morning, but yeah, I got North Texas and then well, and I tell you what, just just one thing while you said while you mentioned that eleven thirty tip, North Texas, I think that might could play into their advantage just a little bit because I mean they practice in the mornings all the time, like they're out there practicing nine nine thirty in the morning a lot of days. So I don't know that La Tech does the same. Maybe that's a little bit of an advantage. I know it's not a lot. What time does like- Louisiana Tech practice? That's what we need to know now. <laughs> <laughs> Do they practice in the evenings? Do they practice early early mornings? Because that's not the same. North Texas practices at nine. I mean, I know it's not like a lot of difference, but like in a game like that, maybe it makes a difference. UNT comes out a little hotter, a little better yeah. start, and maybe that makes a little bit of a difference. I know I'm reaching here, but I figured yeah. I'd mention it. You're, you're not wrong. I just want to joke. I, just, <laughs> I, I joke too much. Uh, the, in the other side, I have an East final here, Middle Tennessee FAU. Give me, give me the Blue Raiders. Resurgent season. Man. Resurgent season. I'm taking Middle Tennessee. They figured it out a bit. They're a far from perfect team, but they are very, very solid. And I think being solid is what you have to be at this point. Like, they're not going to blow you away in the statistical categories, but they are almost top 100. No, they're top. They're 120th in offense and 97th in defense in the country. Just real solid. Third in defense in in conference play. Um, Second in three-point percentage defense. First in turnover percentage defense. I think I think that it sets up nicely for Middle Tennessee just to play well, and if they don't draw UAB in the semis, I think there's a real shot for them to uh, to make it. I will say, if UAB gets past FAU, I think that the Middle Tennessee matchup might be a little better for them. Mm. Um, they beat them by twenty. UAB won by twenty two when they played in the regular season, so obviously Middle's defense did not affect them at all. But, uh, but yeah, so I'm gonna go Middle Tennessee to the championship. Well, and I tell you what, while, while we're mentioning Middle Tennessee, how about Nick McDevitt for coach of the year, man? Because Middle Tennessee got picked dead last in the preseason poll and ends up winning the East somehow. Like, yeah. what what a coaching job from him. The, the transfers they've brought in have panned out. I mean, really good year from them. And they haven't really been this good in a little while. So good for I, Middle I, Tennessee doing that. And, I mean, McDevitt would be my pick for coach of the year. I don't see how he doesn't get it at this point. I mean, it's either him or McCaslin, right? Yeah. Yeah, and like, I think I, I McDevitt gets the edge there because 
like North Texas is picked sixth, Middle Tennessee is picked 14th. I think on that alone, just the fact that Middle wasn't expected to be really much of anything this year and finds a way to be so good. McCaslin's got an argument, but I think McDevitt's got the storyline on his side. Yeah, that's an interesting. That's interesting. I hadn't thought about that really. Um, but yeah, Middle Tennessee has been good the entire year too. You look at the losses, it's like SFA, Murray State, Ole Miss, and then uh, Chattanooga are their non-conference losses. And all those teams are in the tournament, I think, except Ole Miss. And SFA. Yeah, Ole Miss has been weird this year. SFA has dropped off a bit too. But um, So to the championship, who we got? Who You have North Texas and UAB, which will be a classic if that happens. Yeah. Oh, man. It'll be another classic. And this is the one that's tough to pick, right? Because North Texas and UAB split in the regular season. You know, it feels like it's probably destined to be another one of those close games. Oh, man. People are going to hate me for this, but I got to pick UAB in this one, I think. And I I know everybody listening is like, this is going to be the thing that gets UNT Twitter pissed off at me. But like, I don't, I just, all the talent that UAB has, I get it. They're beatable, all of those things. But like, I just have a feeling, especially with the way North Texas is playing going into this tournament. I just don't know, man. I I don't know. you can't use that the last two games as as indication, I don't think. I think that's fair, but like at some point, some of that does become a little bit of a factor to it, me. Like it, it's not like the factor, but to me, just especially what you said with everything, all the playing perfect all year up to the last two games, I feel like it's got to some somewhat catch up with North Texas. Maybe it is just that UTEP game is where it catches up, but. I think it catches up, and I think UAB finds a way to win a close one. Jordan Walker probably hits a game-winning shot of some kind. I um, I will say this. UAB is a terrifying matchup for North Texas. We've known this Awful, awful matchup. We've known this for the past two years, this year and last year. The, and, and the game North Texas beat UAB in, you know, they probably shouldn't have won that game. We said yeah, like we UAB said the missed free throws down the stretch that they should have hit and probably could have iced it. Yeah, Perry hits, you know, Perry hits a couple of tough threes and they, they make all their shots that they go on a run at the end. So there's an argument to be made that they shouldn't have won that game. And if they lose that game, that's four straight losses to UAB. Yeah. And I think Trey Jimison, and we've talked about this team a hundred times, is just that they are a bad matchup for North, North Texas. And yeah, I think that's why I have UAB. I mean, that's not why. That's not why at all. But I think that's probably North Texas' best chance to win it is UAB loses, which is – I mean, that's like what I happened said, last year. Yeah. UA, yeah, and UAB – like if – last year I would have said UAB is a worse matchup for North Texas than Western Kentucky. And Western Kentucky just beat them. And that's, you know, the difference. This year I definitely think UAB could lose to either FAU or Middle or UTEP. I, I wouldn't be shocked. But if it is UAB and North Texas in the championship – I don't know who's going to be favored. Yeah. I and mean, it, it's going to be tight. It'll only be like a couple point spread. I feel like UAB might get the edge, but like maybe not because North Texas has the better record coming in. I don't know. So, so I say all that and I think UAB is just an awful matchup, but I remember how I felt last year with that Western Kentucky game. And I was just like, surely Western is going to do this, right? Like, if, <laughs> like this felt like their year last year, like with Charles Bassey and, all these guys, it's like Hollingsworth. You're like, this is their year. And North Texas found a way. And that's what they're going to have to do this year. Now, it comes back to the question of, like you said, 
can they play perfect again? And can they make shots late like they did last year against Western and like they did this year against UAB, La Tech? Like, you have to play perfect. And if North Texas versus UAB happens, they're going to have to play almost perfect and hope UAB doesn't. It's a bad matchup in my opinion. I think UAB is a very, very difficult one. Like last year, I was like, I looked at Purdue even, and I was like, North Texas can beat them. Like matchup-wise, it makes sense. UAB is not like that. UAB is different. So with their defense, their trapping, their post, I mean, they're just so long, versatile. They're terrifying. So the best hope for North Texas fans is hope UAB loses before they have to play them. But if they have to play them, I'm not mad at your pick because I think on paper it's probably the right pick. I'm just interested in how much does North Texas, the aura of North Texas matter? Like the the aura of North Texas being like, we win. We don't lose games that matter. Yeah, We win every single game that matters. Unless Villanova's on the other side hitting 10 threes in a row, <laughs> we win every single game that matters and that's the that's what i'm that's what i'm looking forward to so maybe i do want nortex versus UAB in the championship for that exercise but man it's going to be it's going to be very interesting to see how how that plays out so well and yeah before i let you get into your pick i the one thing i want to hit highlight too is i mentioned it earlier but like that that's a game where I don't know North Texas might miss having like the Zach Simmons, the James Reese kind of presences on that team where like from everything that I've heard, Zach Simmons was one of the main guys in the huddle, even when they were down, you know, big late to Western that was like, Hey, we can still do this. Like, you know, the belief was there and he was one of those key guys to that. James Reese was another guy who made some big plays, even with the wrist injury he was dealing with at that point. Like, That's one of those where I just wonder if North Texas doesn't miss a little bit of that extra depth they had where you can bring in a boo off the bench for some impact minutes versus having just a boo as the starter. I don't know. Just all the little extra stuff that they had last year that they don't necessarily have this year. Like you said, they've had to play just with a little less margin for error, especially with the free throws. I think there's just a lot of ways, especially against UAB, that it could go wrong for North Texas and yeah, so uh, yeah, I'm sticking with my pick. UAB beats North Texas. It's going to be a close game if that if it happens, but yeah, we'll see. As long as you're ready for the hatred to come your way. Oh, I know ready. it's coming. I know it's coming. Okay, as long as you're ready, as long as you're prepared for it. <laughs> I, I went through it last year, so I'm making sure. I'm over here in Baton Rouge now. I'm comfortable. I don't have Javion coming and yelling at me anymore. Yeah, you're a little closer to uh, Birmingham than I am. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can... Go over to UAB. Um, <laughs> okay, my pick, North Texas versus Middle Tennessee. Like I said, North Texas UAB is scary. North Texas Middle Tennessee is not as scary. I'm taking North Texas to beat Middle. Um, I think the odds of North Texas beating anybody except UAB in this tournament are significant. Like I think they are going to be significant favorites over even Louisiana Tech to a degree. But like, if they don't play UAB coming out the bottom – I, there's no real fear in me that obviously anything can happen. They could lose, like who knows? Yeah. But I, I just think North Texas is gonna can beat Middle Tennessee, can handle Middle Middle Tennessee to a degree. So I'll take them in green here, um, which it feels like a little bit of a cop out because I'm not picking North Texas to beat UAB. You know, like if you were picking UAB over North Texas and I was picking North Texas over UAB, 
then it'd be like, okay, I'm I'm like the good guy here. But it definitely <laughs> feels like a complete cop out because I just have UAB losing. Yeah. So I don't even have I don't even have North Texas going through UAB. So, but that's my prediction. I really don't think I think UAB loses either that one or the or the middle one at some point. I, I think they they slip up. But if they make it to the championship, that will be very interesting. Well, and that's the weird thing about UAB this year, man, is like top end, the best UAB can play. I think UAB is the best team in this conference if they're playing at their best every single night. But that's the thing is they haven't been able to do that because they've got more talent than pretty much anybody in this conference. And I don't think North Texas fans would argue at that. Like North Texas is talented, but they're not the talents that UAB necessarily has. The thing that works for North Texas is being better than their collective parts. Yeah. It's just, yeah, UAB's been weird in that they lose to teams they shouldn't, and then, you know, they have lost occasionally those big-time games. They lost the one to North Texas, but, like, yeah, they're just a really weird team, really bad matchup for North Texas. So it'll be interesting if they get to meet up there in that conference title game. It'll be be one for the books once again. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Um, I don't have anything else. Um, I think we've about almost 50 minutes at this point, but uh, if you have any other – overarching takeaways or anything yeah i think that's pretty much all i've got as well i think the one thing i'll end on is like this is going to be an interesting tournament there's a lot of interesting matchups i'm sure our brackets will be completely wrong after day one but (laughs) we'll we'll see how it plays out and uh yeah i'll I'll be down there covering it in person i'm sure you'll be catching everything on uh, espn plus stadium cbs sports network all that good stuff so you know all the fantastic uh networks cusa gets on (laughs) Yeah, again, um, I want to reiterate, we've said it before, but this was an an amazing regular season. Like, yeah, this is, again, the best regular season in North Texas history, whether they win the tournament or not, whether they make the NCAA tournament or not. Um, I, I think, well, they're locked in for the NIT. Yeah, so they, they get the one C, like they get the auto bid to the NIT exactly. because they were the one in the in the whole conference, so. And I know nobody wants to hear that right now. It's only about winning winning it all, which we haven't even brought up for 50 minutes. So I feel good about, about that because in prior podcasts, we we brought it up. I think it was 2020 before 20, when they won the regular season in 2020, we were like, oh, oh yeah. well, they can make the, the NIT and stuff. And we were all excited for it. I still think that is – that's a big deal. The NIT is still a big deal because you can get home games from it, all this stuff, whatever. Yeah. But we won't even bring that up anymore. Uh, but I do say that to say – this team has put themselves in a position to be on a national stage. They've put themselves in position to make even more history. And they've already made history with this regular season. Like don't take this for granted. 16 and two, 23 and five. Like it's an amazing, amazing run from this team. And I just want to make sure we embrace that before all hell breaks loose this week. Yeah. Yeah, and like to piggyback off of that, Middle Tennessee in 2016-17 is the only Conference USA team that's ever won more conference games than UNT did this year. There's been a lot of teams to get to 16 conference wins. Middle Tennessee got 17 in that 16-17 season, but like that's the only team that's ever won more Conference USA games than UNT has. Like it's insane the regular season they've had. And man, yeah, I'm just excited to see how this tournament plays out. So I think that about sums it up for everybody here uh, appreciate you guys tuning in please don't crucify me too much on social media but i understand if you do you are just, i know i'm a traitor now to everyone but it's okay thanks everybody for listening anyway hope you guys come back again even though i've pissed <laughs> you all off 
Follow us on SoundCloud. Leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at MeanGreen247. Follow Matthew at MatthewBurney underscore. Follow me at JohnField0. And uh, hopefully we'll catch you guys on the next one.